This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and our podcast comes to you from our WeatherWorks headquarters here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me, as always, is my good buddy and co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hello there, Mike, on this fine summer's day. Uh, it is a fine summer's day. You know what I think we should do? I think next podcast we have, we should really spice up that intro. All right. Add a little bit of uh, fun to it. I I want you to knock my socks off next time, Brad. All right, I'll I'll, I'll look into it. And then Uh, after you do it and it's over the top, I'm going to be like, okay, forget it. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) But you know what? Like like I said, it's the first day of summer, the old summer solstice. So, you know what? I think what we should talk about today is some summertime weather records. Yeah, I mean, we did that in the winter season. Um, It was really a hit with a lot of our listeners finding out what the coldest temperatures were, the most snow ever in a snowstorm, things of that nature. But yeah, I think we should do it for the summer. And I think we'll need some help with this podcast. And we have a guest. He's been a guest here before. And that is meteorologist Mike Priante. Mike, how you doing? Hey. The finest yeah. producer in the podcast hey. business. Hey. <laughs> Was he Fonzie? Some... <laughs> hey. I was flipping my hair back with my uh, my comb and wearing my... I say he's the finest producer in the in the podcast business. Well, this... hold on a second. Well, this is true, Let's but... Let's not go that far. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got to ask, Mike, is it Priante or Prianti? I, f- I feel like I goof that up. I have no idea, Mike. I don't even know what my name don't is even know? pronounced. I don't know. It's Prianti, maybe Prianti. It's definitely not Tay. It's Tay sounds weird. Prianti okay. sounds sounds more like it. Chianti. Like a good Chianti. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, honestly, Chianti. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good wine. I like. Let's change your name to Mike Chianti. Well, originally, my my last name was actually spelled Briganti. Oh, really? Oh. So yeah, and then Ellis Island screwed it up. So, oh, yeah, you, know, they they, you can blame the pronunciation on Ellis Island. Just blame it all on them. It's not my yeah, fault. Well, the same thing happens with me. A lot of people say Mahalik, and it's it's Mahalik um, is how it should be pronounced. But then people get on the whole, uh, oh, Mahalik, alcoholic, and blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I've heard that joke a million times when I, I was can't a kid. mess mine up. Mine's is straightforward. So. Brad, yeah, you get M- Malur. I can't Malur. have any, Malur. any. Yeah, I can't have any fanciness. I can't have any fanciness. Uh, are you a Brad Miller light? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, wow. So that's where we're going with this podcast today, huh? Hopefully not. Anyway, so that. <laughs> let's get on to the topic that we have, and and like we said before, we're going to be talking about summer records today, and we'll have more on those right after the break. So stay with us. Hey everybody, well how many times have you been burned by a weather forecast? Well, probably a few and it might have cost your business thousands. WeatherWorks is different. We have over 30 meteorologists to give you forecasts, notifications, and weather advice 24-7. Now that could certainly help when it comes down to making those crucial decisions, but there are even more products than that in which WeatherWorks offers, from weather data to historical reports. Call us at 908-850-8600 or visit us on the web at weatherworksinc.com. And oh, don't forget, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Weather Lounge. I'm meteorologist Brad Miller, and uh, once again, our podcast today is all about summer weather records and how apropos for the first day of summer. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, happy. I'm glad that we're here in June, and uh, we're going to be talking about these summer records. So uh, you know what? Let, let's get it. Let's get started here. Mike Mahalik, we'll bring you in first. No, I thought I was going to talk about weather records first. No, no, you got to wait. Wait, wait, wait. Can I can I mention my favorite weather record? Okay, go for it. Go ahead. I I really love, uh, you know, the Billy Joel record, Stormfront. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's a great weather record, honestly. You know, right? Oh, I got this is so bad right now. Going with that. (laughs) Wait, we're not talking about records like vinyl records, because I oh oh no, I did not. I did not prepare for this. Well, then we might as well use a Billy Joel song for this. Yeah, there, there you go. We should have. We should. We'll have to come back, uh, you know, with that track for everybody. Oh man. Well, I'm already prepared, so I mean. Oh my goodness. Well, you Next know what? Thing... That's not a bad idea. Right, we're going off the off the off the side here, but we should we should come up with. We know how we did weather and movies. We should do a Ooh, weather and music. Favorite weather songs. There's a lot there of them go. out there. All right. Singing Mark in the down. rain. Yeah. Like I said, I got a whole list of them. Like you guys didn't communicate this with me, so now I'm like, oh, now I'm oh, gonna yeah. have to be like, just really like winging it here. So you one know, one of my Mike? favorite songs by Guns N' Roses. Come on, what's the other one? No, uh, November Rain, right? Yes. There you go. I don't like that song at all. I don't like it. All right. It just drags on and on, and yeah, ugh. it does. All right. Well, you know what? That's a, that's a good. One. <laughs> we'll look forward to that one, folks. We'll we'll, we'll schedule it. Yeah, point. I like that. Yeah, we'll do the uh, weather songs. Yeah, that'll be nice. All right, so Mike, why don't you get us started here since you did the uh, the background check and some of the uh, research on uh, the hottest temperature around the world, right? The U.S. Right. Yeah, and um, this one, you know, has changed a little bit over the years based on you know some meteorological research, but I think everybody wants to know what's the hottest it's ever been on Earth, just like they want to know what's the coldest it's ever been. Um, so the official record right now is 134 degrees and that was in furnace creek ranch in california that is in death valley it was set on july 10th uh, 1913 so that is the official record but for many years it was actually this a place in libya in northern africa and it was 136.4 um, and that was in uh, September 13th or on September 13th, 1922. So for many years, it was that record. But what happened was is these world records for temperatures and things like that always go under review. So even though it's sitting there as the record, a lot of times the World Meteorological Organization or the WMO will do some research into those, make sure that these records are correct, Uh, make sure that they were taken properly by an experienced observer, um, by uh, accurate instruments, check it with its surroundings. It's kind of mirroring some of the stuff we do with our certified snowfall totals here at Weatherworks, where you're constantly checking surrounding locations to make sure everything fits um, the storm that you're in. So they pretty much do the same thing with weather, weather records. So what happened was it got discredited and actually they pulled that record because they felt that the instruments were problematic. They felt that 
the observer was inexperienced. Um, they also thought the observation site was not representative of the surroundings. So I don't know where it was located, but for example, if you had a temperature sensor in the middle of a parking lot versus the grass uh, field next to it, you're going to get some different temperature readings right. for or sure. Maybe it was in the sun or something because, yeah. Maybe they didn't have uh, the shelter over the uh, temperature sensor. Um, what do they call that? Cotton regions shelter? Am I right with that? I think so. Cotton regions? Cotton region shelter, I thought it was called. I um, thought it was something else. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Cotton. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm going to look it up right now because... Isn't it called a Stevenson screen? Cotton region shelter is typically a wooden structure with louvered sides, a slotted bottom, and a solid top, usually made of pine painted white and sits atop a wooden or metal base six to five, five to six feet above the ground. There you go. Am I thinking of something else? Because a Stevenson screen is, 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 is that the same thing or am I, are we just naming the same thing? Mm. Instrument shelter, uh, enclosure. That 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 has uh, you know temperature has the hygrometer. It said uh, many cooperator cooperative observers at the National Weather Service use cotton regions shelters for maximum and minimum temperature data. I gotta look this up. <laughs> that looks just like a Stevenson screen. Or I think it's the same thing. Oh, the cotton region shelter is an American adaptation of the original Stevenson screen. Ah. Okay, mm. so it's basically just an upgraded version, and they're they're calling it a cotton region. Uh, so i was right you were right we were both right just different we were both right they're the same thing just name different things depending on where you are right perfect now now do you think the folks in libya got wind of of death valley having the hottest temperature at the time at 134 and they said Ooh. here hold my beer nine years <laughs> later nine years later they say i we recorded 136.4 you know it's possible because I, I feel as though similar things happen in snowstorms where yeah. you know people people measure a foot and then another guy down the street's like I ah, more than a foot and they search yeah. around and they find thirteen point five or something and then all of a sudden you get this runaway I got more than that thing yeah. going on so well I, I think the world of one uppedness didn't didn't really uh, wasn't really around you know a hundred years right. Ago. Well, you never know, but um, social media, Twitter, yeah. you know. But that's but that's one of the problems they found is that it, it was poor matching to surrounding right. locations where right. this uh, instrument was. Yeah, there might was. have been a bunch of 120s around, and then pops up a 136.4 right. out of nowhere. Yeah. So you would expect it to be probably at least 130 if you're measuring 136 at a lot of other neighboring stations. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that that got shot down. But no, uh, the United States uh, holds the record for the hottest place on Earth um, in our recorded history. So quite interesting. But I think more interesting is how hot um, a lot of the United States has been. So question to you guys, do you think has every state hit 100 degrees? you know? I want to say yes. Mike's yes. What do you got, Brad? I'd imagine so. I mean, uh, you know what? It's weird. I would think, you know what? I would think a place like, I would think a place like, believe it or not, Hawaii may be one of the few states that 
don't oh, hit them. Maybe. Only I forgot because they're Hawaii. surrounded by. Yeah, even though the water in the Pacific is probably 80, 85 degrees. Oh, no. Can I take my answer back? Yeah. <laughs> Can I take my answer back? I forgot about Hawaii. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, every state has hit 100 degrees. Okay. Hawaii oh. was exactly 100. And the other place you might not think about is Alaska. And you're thinking, well, there's no way they hit 100 degrees. But they did hit 100 degrees at Fort Yukon oh, in 1915. That's and, that, and it's actually well interior, too. It's very far north. So I don't know what kind of weather pattern was going on at the time. Um, but it must have been quite extreme for it to hit 100 degrees. Yeah, now I was going to say, to their to their credit and their strength, I guess, to reach 100 degrees is... At that time, you know, I, I'm sure this happened in the summer. They probably had like 20 to 23 hours of daylight. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, that, that that's a good thought there, Brad. Yeah, they do have consecutive sunlight all day, so they probably don't cool much at all. Um, but yeah, every state has hit 100 degrees, which I thought like like you did, uh, Mike. I thought maybe uh, Hawaii with you know, being an island or, or even places like Florida, I thought. I believe maybe. Florida more so than Hawaii. Yeah. The only places that didn't were some territories like uh, Guam and stuff like that that are part of the United States. And they're way down there in the South Pacific, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, very small islands. So I kind of get how it's it's very difficult. But I still think they hit like 98 or 99. They're, they, they're still able to reach that. Um, but a couple other trivias... Um, I had I like playing the who's been hotter game when it comes to temperatures um, with states across the uh, U.S. here. Um, so here's one for you. How about New Jersey or Florida? Which one has been hotter? New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah, it sounds like a trick 100%. question. I'll go with Jersey. Yeah, you guys are right. Uh, New Jersey hit one. Can't fool me, Mike. Can't fool me. <laughs> yeah, you guys have hit 100. Uh, New Jersey has hit 110, while Florida has hit 108. So they certainly uh, are able to heat up in New Jersey. That's for sure. Maybe that's why they have the New Jersey Devils. I mean, I don't know. It's just a that was terrible bad. joke time. That was but bad. Yeah, pretty much. I get those bad jokes from my dad. Um, anyway, so the other one I have for you guys is Texas or North Dakota. Ooh, this is tough because you'd think Texas because Texas is a hot state, but North Dakota is landlocked. And let me tell you, sometimes that yeah, heat... they could really downslope pretty good there. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say North Dakota. I'm going to say North Dakota is hotter than Texas. And it is North Dakota, 121 degrees. Yeah, Texas hit 120, so Texas uh, just couldn't cut it. So I guess you could That's say— hard to believe, though. North Dakota, 121 degrees. I know. I was actually surprised, but South Dakota, I think, was 120 or something like that. So it was— And meanwhile, in the wintertime, they go from, like, 110 degrees to, like, negative 30. And it's crazy just because of how they are. You know, you have basically Canada to your north, all, all that cold, dry air that's able to just sink in from the north. Then you have all that dry, you know, humid, and honestly just more, like, desert-like air that's able to, to, to rise north. So I'm sure a lot of those northern, northern plains states, they have the biggest temperature swing mm -hmm. between winter and summer versus, like, a southern state like Texas or Florida or something like that. So this is interesting. Um, shifting gears back to Death Valley um, at 
good old Furnace Creek Ranch, which is an awesome name uh, for the hottest place ever. Um, how? What do you think the record low was in Death Valley? Because, you know, the way deserts are, they can really radiate at night. Um, because of the sandy soils and, 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 you know, especially if you're in a valley with not much wind. I'd imagine it got into the 20s, at least in the winter. I'm going to say 17. Wow. Almost, man. 15 degrees ah, was the lowest close. Death Valley has gotten to. That was on January wow. 8th. The oh, yeah. same year, actually, 1913. What a year. So in the, in the same year, they had their hottest ever and coldest ever day. Or, or temperature, I should say. Obviously, it wasn't on the uh, same day, but uh, uh, that would be insanity. But uh, uh, that that's that's pretty crazy. And I guess the last little tidbit about temperature information is just a little trivia question. What do you think the coldest day coldest day in the summer was in New York City? So we're looking for the coldest summer day. In New York City. Minimum, maximum? Yeah, in like June, July, August. What what was the coldest? Well, I accidentally, I already saw the answer, so I can't answer. Oops. In the, in the, middle, in the middle of July, we're talking about middle summer. I mean, I don't know, 50s, 60, 60 degrees maybe? 52 degrees is the coldest it's gotten in the middle of summer. Wow. That's hard to do in July for a high. Especially in New York City. Yeah. That was back in 1943. So um, a lot of these records are long ago. Uh, that's for sure. Um, that I've been pulling on the temperature. That's really hard to do when you think about it in New York 52 City. 52 in July? Yeah. yeah that's definitely. Um, I mean, obviously in June, or you might be a little bit colder you know, at times. and um, But 52 in the middle of July? Pretty hard to do. Uh, but I will get out of my temperature uh, record section because I feel like I'm taking too much time away from you guys. No, um, not at all, so Mike. keep talking. <laughs> I'm 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 fine with listening. <laughs> Mike's over there. Keep talking. God, what's wrong with you? Well, you can keep going, Mike. You know, let's move on to like rain and stuff like that. Like the most rain. Okay, well that makes sense because if we're talking about the hottest ever temperatures you might be thinking well it must have been hot and dry too so um that should have been something we looked into the highest heat index i was just about i was actually looking that up i haven't found it yet but when i if i do i will let you know if you find it let us know it'll be a a, a live yeah that's right we're gonna move on to dry we're gonna move on to the driest stretch yes i mean so the driest stretch of weather um is something that you might think of you know obviously it occurs in the desert or something that you would think um and the driest stretch of weather um that's been pretty much officially recorded by a station or something like that is actually at the atacama desert in chile um i'm not sure how to say the town here aricia or arica arica chile um so the driest stretch of weather recorded there was 172 months or yes, 14.3 years without rainfall that was measurable. It was from 1903 to 1918. So yeah, I mean, I, 
I thought it was just absolutely crazy. But if you think about it, there's probably places in the middle of a desert that doesn't have a station, you know, that we're recording information from that is probably drier for longer, um, you would think. But this place here in Chile has uh, their average rainfall a year is 0. 0.03. You get one shower per year and it has to be... <laughs> Three hundredths of an inch is all you get per year. And that's been over the last 59 years they've been recording there. So it's not like they've only been recording for you know 15 or 20 years. Um, it's a long time. Um, so I, I think what's interesting is, is that you may think this is a very long time, but actually researchers have estimated that other parts of the world may be drier for much, much longer. How much more dry can it be? So where would you think the driest place would be? Sahara? Right, the Sahara, you would think, you know, maybe the uh, Mojave Desert or something like that. or Some sort of desert. Yeah, some sort of desert, right? Well, actually, the driest place on Earth is in Antarctica. Oh, you know what? That makes sense. Yes. Cold desert. So there, there are, there's something called the McMurdo Dry Valleys in Antarctica. And they are saying, the researchers are saying that they have not seen precipitation in 2 million years. 2 million. Which is, you know, it, I, I can't even like comprehend. Like, what does that go back to dinosaurs? Right, 2 million years a little bit, A little bit more than that. but A little bit older than 2 million years? Yeah, I don't know. When, a little did, bit. when did they go extinct? I don't know. I thought it was like 2.5 million years. I think ago. it's tens of millions. Oh, really? I think so. I get flustered by all those timelines when you go that far back. I, 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 I get think, lost I think, with meteorites. No, but then again, you have to think about what is your definition of a dinosaur? Because remember, dinosaurs, there were tons of periods of dinosaurs. Um, this is true. At a certain point, they started to evolve. At what point did they become? I, again, I, I'm not someone who's qualified to say this, so I am probably wrong. But You're not a paleontologist? Maybe. You know what? You got me. I am going to school for paleontology. I'm I'm way off. You're right. It's it's uh, 65 million years ago. There you go. Um, so I don't know what I was thinking about. I was only off by 63 million years, but uh, um, but yeah, way off on that one. Uh, luckily, I am not a paleontologist, or I would be you know fired on the spot. Nor do you play one on TV. <laughs> yeah. Nor did you say at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Yeah, I'm not uh, Ross Geller from Friends. But yeah, uh, 2 million years ago. And then, Brad, I think you might have mentioned the Sahara or something like that. So the Sahara was actually more tropical as little as 6,000 years ago. So there was actually, it was actually more of a savanna, um, they called it. Um, so it's, it's not that long ago that the Sahara Desert, uh, which you think would never, ever see rain, was actually... Uh, kind of a uh, wet place. Hey, maybe in the next six thousand years, the uh, the Amazon will become another Sahara. Mm, well, if they keep, you know, I mean, they're cutting down trees a lot there, so that's not a good. Well, thing. they're speeding up the process. Yeah. What about in the U.S., Mike? I, I, of course, what always comes to my mind when you talk about dry weather is a dust bowl. Now, of course, it was way before we were alive, but I mean, that was back in what the thirties. Yeah, I, I looked into uh, several droughts because a lot of the Northeast is uh, currently under moderate drought. Um, 
or was, depending on if they sell any type of rain. Um, but yeah, the Dust Bowl in 1934 um, was one of the, I'd say, worst droughts um, that's been recorded in the United States. Um, so basically in July, 78% of the United States in 1934 was abnormally dry. And then we're talking about the continuous, uh, contiguous U.S. Uh, we're not talking about Alaska and Hawaii. Uh, low, yeah, lower 48. Uh, 78% was abnormally dry, and 66% was in moderate drought. Um, and a lot of that was centered over the Great Plains, uh, into the Midwest, uh, into the Ohio Valley, um, around the Mississippi River, you know, that sort of thing. So a lot of area where a lot of agriculture occurs was in this extreme drought. Um, which is why, you know, the dust pole uh, got coined from all the, you know, sand dust storms and things like that going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's been several pretty big droughts in history. I guess there was one in the 50s that was really bad also. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what's going on with the droughts. And, you know, hopefully we don't have major droughts like that in the future. Um because I mean it's inevitable, of course. It is but... inevitable, I think, at this point, um, unfortunately. Yeah, you wonder what the pattern looked like back then in the '30s. You know, I'm sure you can go back and look, but was it like was it Omega blocks? Was it like yeah, giant giant Rex block? Big ridge stuck in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Quite interesting. Um, but that's really all I have on the driest weather. So I think we should shift gears to something else. I'm running out of voice. Mike, before you before you shift gears, I did look up the well. There's no records for heat index, but oh, good. They did record uh, in 2015 in Iran. Oh no, the what appears to be the hottest heat index so far, I guess measured. Can you guess what it is? Take a guess. I'm gonna go with 145. No. Higher. Okay, higher or lower here. Yeah. Let's play the Price is Right game. Uh, 149. Higher. Really? You want to say a dollar and just forget about it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, how about, how about 150? Yeah, <laughs> like that. Uh, oh, man, that mountain climber guy on that game. It, 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 it's right. much hotter than 149, I'll tell you that. Much hotter? 160. So we're talking about 160. You're very close. Oh, my goodness. Like you're very close. It's 165. That's, oh, that's oh my ridiculous. Uh, and that's it was back in July. It was like the temperature 110. The dew point was like 90. I can tell you what the temperature in the dew point actually yeah, was. Yeah, what was so, it? Um, actually, the uh, sorry, on the on the 30th of July, the heat index was 158 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, the air temperature is 113 degrees. So if you if you already know what the dew point's going to be, the dew point is absolutely disgusting. What do we got? You're all seated. You're all seated, right? Yeah. Okay. Eighty nine point six degrees oh Fahrenheit is the that was the dew point. Eighty nine. Yeah. Ooh. And then the next day it was one hundred and fourteen degrees. The dew point was very similar. So Ooh. yeah. Uh, I'm going to pass on that one. I mean, it's some of the worst things when it's hot and humid like that. Can you imagine just walking outside? It's like, Jesus, 
I don't know what the science is, but I do know that there becomes a point where the dew point, if it gets too high, you can actually choke on like almost like like drown in the air drown yeah, in the air because there's so much water vapor you're actually breathing in so oh much water God. vapor into your lungs Gosh, I, 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 I don't know what i don't know what the actual temperature is but i think like once you get into like the 90s it yeah. starts to like really become too much you know i want to say um several years ago um there was a heat wave in new jersey and i remember our office hitting uh they might have hit like a hundred degrees with uh, something like a 70 something degree dew point. I, I, I want to say it was 80, but maybe I'm too high on that. Um, but I remember some ridiculous heat indices um, that were around the state. And I don't know when it was. I just remember what our uh, temperature uh, sensor said um, in our uh, lower office there. And I, we went outside and it was just so sticky and yeah, thick like and st- it was stuffy probably yeah there. it was just walking into walking like into mike sauna. said a wall of water almost um how moist uh, you know it was and how ugh, terrible you wear the air is that what they say yeah wear the air yeah it's like flop sweat and this right away as soon as you walk outside just but they say the wet bulb temperature when it gets above 95 degrees the body loses the ability to cool down. Well, that's the that's the problem with the heat index. Your body can't cool itself down with sweat because the evaporation doesn't right, but happen. But there also becomes quickly. a point where, like, because it can't cool down, you know, literally that 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 moisture is has nowhere to go, so it just stays in your body. So right. I don't know if you're like I don't know if it's really breathing in, but it's mm. but it's more so like you might just like kind of suffocate with the with the moisture in your body. Like you can't like physically, like maybe it starts to. Your like your lungs start to collapse. Mm, and... I don't know. I think you're. I think you're. I think you're crossing some medical uh, thresholds that we're not experts in. I'm a paleontologist. I'm a doctor. You know, I I, I have a lot of. Mm, I don't know. I see a lot of meteorology books in the background of your screen right now. <laughs> so I don't know if there's any medical uh, uh, documents back there. Oh, you, you know what? You, I, I play I play a doctor. Oh, got it. Okay, you got, got me. You got me. You got me. All right, let's move on. What do we got next? Oh, since we're on the the, the sticky humid side, let's talk about the rain, I guess. Perfect. Have you ever seen the rain? Oh Have my god! Another gosh. song. Weather and uh, weather what a good and music. Song. Credence Clearwater Listen, Revival. Listen, that's a different podcast. Let's okay, back all right. on weather records. You're not- my, I have a list, Mike, of all the the songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The next meeting, we have to really coordinate okay. this because this. Is yeah, yeah. Jeez. Anyway, um, all right. Who's going with the rain? I'll go with rain. I like rain. Um, let's start with the rainfall rate. So you know, I mean, uh, this crazy rainfall rate happened back on June twenty second in nineteen forty two in a small little town northeast of Kansas City. Um, so, you know, picture it. You're out there. There's a thunderstorm. It's, it's raining. Um, 12 inches of rain fell in one hour. One hour. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not 24 hours. We've seen yeah, that before. Yeah, like a waterfall in front of your one face. Hour. Now, can someone do the math? Because I don't want to do the math. Um, what would be that rainfall rate every well, like, minute? Well, it have to be, what is it, five? Every minute. 
What's the rainfall rate a minute? 60 minutes in an hour. So, so. Somebody get the uh, calculator out, I, please. I've done too much today. No, oh, come on. I think it'd be 0.2 every minute, right? Yeah, 0.2. Rad is on it. Um, but actually, yeah, actually. So, so it would be yeah. an inch every 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. An inch every 10 minutes. That's insane. I, I don't know about you guys, but like that. No, it'd be an inch every five minutes. Sorry. Yeah, five minutes. You're, yeah. yeah. One inch every five minutes. That's even more That's insane. That's even more impressive. Every five minutes. I mean. Yeah, 0.2 every minute. I mean, I, I'm trying to think about. Uh, snowfall rates and 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 usually you you max out snowfall rates you know really heavy snowfall rates are like you know four to six inches in an hour and and you're not and your liquid equivalent of that is you know maybe a half an inch like to, you see on twitter with the with the maps that what if it was all snow <laughs> yeah um but that is insanity do you want to hear something even crazier i don't know i actually lied about the one hour Mm, why that fell in 42 minutes oh geez oh, okay come so on 12 inch, oh, okay so the rain rate was 12 inches per hour but it actually the 12 inches fell in 42 minutes so now we're looking at almost 0.3 inches per minute you know it's just insane and yeah they had to do one hour because there's no such thing as a, a 42 minute rainfall rate <laughs> i don't think anybody's measuring rainfall in 42 minutes and that's odd too. In, in in the middle of the country, I mean, you would think there has to be some kind of oceanic effect and like some kind of moisture source close by. It it had to have been some sort of um, you know you know when we see this a lot a lot a lot of times when storms build over the same area due to a, a lack mm-hmm. of flow, mm-hmm. uh, we call it training thunderstorms, training you know areas of rain where it just seems like it's just raining indefinitely. You know, we saw that earlier this year down in i believe it was miami yeah no it was uh fort lauderdale just north of miami the airport was underwater they saw a lot of rain in a short amount of time and you know you think okay obviously florida they get a lot of rain right they can handle it but the thing is when you have like just a storm that sits on top of an area for five hours straight with no flow and it's the same intensity i don't know what the rates were but eventually the drainage system just can't handle it and also fort lauderdale is not just like you know, you get floodplains, that's fine, but like it's built up. So when you have a lot of that concrete, and this is why a lot of the urbanized areas flood easily because all that water just sort of gets funneled into like just one area and there's there's no natural systems for it to drain out to because of all the concrete buildup. Right. Now I'm going to use some meteorology here on you guys. That's, uh, you know, what were the precipitable water values? The P-watts had to be like two to three inches. Probably yeah, I mean, we're talking tropical watts, which would be like over two and a half. Um, and, uh, you know, it's insane. Um, I, we, we could talk about watts. That's a whole other, you know, uh, thing to talk about. But yeah, it's basically how much water you can squeeze out of a column of air uh, if everything was squeezed out. And I guarantee basically. this sounded pretty efficient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Very efficient thunderstorm. It did the job. It, it dropped the rain. Yeah. Um, but um, I can't imagine like. How also think about it, what kind of instruments would you need to like measure that much rain? Like you would have to have like a really big rain gauge. What's the what's the biggest rain gauge you could have? 
Well, yeah, but if you use like a tipping bucket or something like that, I know. guess if they had it in 1947, I don't know. Yeah, back in the 40s, they probably had more of a old school. That's tipping what I'm saying. I don't think they had that. Maybe they had tipping buckets. I don't know, but also the rate. I mean, it would probably be overflowing. The poor drainage flooding had to be off the charts. Either way, I mean, it's impressive nonetheless. So that's the highest rain rate, Mike. But what do we got uh, for like? A 24-hour period. Uh, if if we had 12 inches in 42 minutes in a place in Missouri, <laughs> uh, what do we got for 24 hours? Well, in January of 1966. Now, we have to shift gears now because we're thinking the United States and everything, but you know we do have listeners actually uh, across the globe. So we have to uh, kind of shift gears and think about uh you know asia and in 1966 71.8 inches of rain fell in a 24-hour period in la, la reunion yeah it's yeah something to that effect it's like uh french i believe uh it's uh, the places it might be of french territories from what i've read in the past now january mike Yes, January. That had to be in the Southern Hemisphere then or something. Is this the Southern Hemisphere? Yeah. So so I, I did uh, do a little bit of research on this, so I already kind of know the background, but it is, uh, it's a little uh, east of Madagascar. Okay. Um, off of, uh, off of Africa there. Where exactly is Madagascar? It's uh, east, off the east coast of Africa. Um, oh, okay. Oh, I got you. South of Saudi that's Arabia. Island. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So it's, oh, it's near the equator, I think, right? Um, you know what? That's a good question. Mike, look it up on the map there and see where it lands. It is. Oh, it's nowhere near the equator. Where... No. Do, do, Brad, do you know where Madagascar is? Yeah, I thought it was just off the coast of Africa. It's nowhere near the equator. The equator oh. is like far. It Madagascar is far south. That's like um. Oh, okay. it's like it's like but a little bit north and east of South uh, South Africa is where oh. Madagascar is. Mm. Oh, OK. I thought it was like more off the coast of Central Africa. You should watch the movie. Watch the movie Madagascar. It's it's a very accurate movie that describes pretty much Madagascar. There you go. Sorry, I'm not a geography expert like you. <laughs> geography expert. Again, I, World geography, I got tons of hats yeah. right over there. So, you know, I just sometimes I just. Yeah, he's a he's a medical doctor. He's a paleontologist. Now he's a geologist. World geographer. Anyway, but yeah, it's a small little island east of Madagascar. And what's insane is, of course, you know, you got to think, how did this happen? Like, how did they get 71 inches of rain? Well, tropical cyclone Denise. You can thank Denise for this. Be nice. Be right. Be nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jay Quellen. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has seen that skit before. I'm sure many people have who are listening to this, but uh, man, uh, that's a good one. Oh, man. Oshag um, Hennessy. A-A-Ron. Yeah, A-A-Ron. Oshag Hennessy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but I mean, that's, that, that's like the world record for 24 hour. But of course, we, let's go back to our home country of, uh, you know, the United States. And uh, we had 49.69 inches of rain in where else but hawaii in the the mm. waipa garden in in Kauai, hawaii april 15th 2018 yeah, Kauai. Kauai, yeah 
Hawaii. Hawaii. That was just uh, yes. a couple of years ago, five, six years ago, huh? Yeah, it was a while. But yeah. I mean, it, it's recent. I mean, that's a lot of rain. Um, I don't know if that was from a system or not. It might not have been from a named system, but um, but it definitely. I mean, it was April fifteenth, so might be an atmospheric river, Mike. Yeah, oh, might be an atmospheric river. Yeah, yeah. that was a buzzword yeah. this past winter. Oh yeah, especially out west. Yeah, I got to row your boat in the atmospheric river. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if people are wondering what that was, I think we did a blog about it. Um, so if you visit our weatherworksync.com page, you can find that. Uh, about what atmospheric river is, but it's just basically a long area of moisture coming out of the tropics and feeding its way into the southern portion the of the United States. Pineapple Express, I think, is another one. Yeah, that's the other uh, name for it. Yep, good old pineapple. Um, now the now the actual lower 48s. We talked about Hawaii, but actual lower 48. Um, the most amount of rain in 24 hours was uh, in Alvin, Texas. From Tropical Storm Claudette, 1979. Yeah, so it wasn't Harvey. I was going to say, what about Harvey? Harvey was... Well, Harvey Harvey had, I think, the most range from a tropical system in the United States because this is 24 hours. Oh, Uh, right, right, right. Harvey, I believe, had only like 30-something. Oh, only? Only, yeah. (laughs) 25.6 inches of rain, I think, was like the highest in okay. 24 hours. But I think the highest overall from Harvey was like over 60. Yeah, I was going to say. there were So it didn't make the 24-hour cut, but it definitely did make, I think, the highest rainfall from a tropical system. That basically just made landfall and sat there and spun for like two, three days. I mean, pretty much. Again, and we're thinking training storms. Well, think about it on a, on a bigger scale. It was a training hurricane. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. Um, but 43 inches fell in Al- Alvin, Texas, July 25th to the 26th 1979 so yeah again texas they love their rain i guess from systems i guess they just get i guess these systems just get caught up in in, in you know you get a lot of the um mm-hmm. the mountains to the west and sometimes yeah, the flow gets, stuck. Just yeah. gets stuck so a system like like harvey it needs to be the perfect setup for it to just do that so then it just get like pulled into like the the plane that just well, kind of figure the you know, pattern's so stagnant in that time of the year. I mean the jet stream's way to the north, and like you said, it just gets kind of jammed up against the western mountains of Mexico. Wasn't there a tropical system that got stuck over the Carolinas or North Carolina or something like that? There was another um, one in Texas a long, long time ago. I remember Allison. I think it was the only tropical storm that's ever been retired. Hmm. Uh, but I don't know about the Carolinas one. I feel like there was one recently that kind of sat and spun similar to Harvey, but I mean, it wasn't as much uh, as Harvey. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there was. But man, I cannot remember the name um, of of that one, but it was only a few years ago. Well, you know, we're talking about hurricanes and tropical systems. I think it's only fair that we continue down this, the, the, this track um, because... Is that is that a pun on words? You're talking about hurricanes, and then you're going to continue on this track. It was uh, it was big of a stretch. Yeah, I we're gonna go, uh, that's right. You know what? Of course, save the best for last. We'll talk about tornadoes after hurricanes. Okay. So yeah, let's let's just get into the hurricane aspect of things, and uh, we'll start off with pretty much the uh, the fastest pressure drop in a hurricane. Real quick though, before we get to the fastest tr- pressure drop. The one I was thinking of with the rainfall was Hurricane Florence, Brad. Oh, well, no, it wasn't what I was thinking of then. Florence in 2018, 23 inches of rain, uh, setting a new state record. Um, so Carolina? it was in Florida. South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Oh, you sure it wasn't in Florence, South Carolina? 
Mm-mm, no. Loris. L-O-R-I-S. Oh, Loris, yeah. That's around yeah. the same area, I think. Just near Charlotte. Between, like, Charlotte and Myrtle Beach, I think. Mm. Around 9.95, I think, Loris. Yeah. Actually, there might have been one here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's near Florence, too, yeah. But that oh that was a state record in South Carolina, but North Carolina, Elizabethtown, North Carolina saw thirty five point nine three inches of rainfall from Florence. So yeah, certainly uh, certainly one to be remembered in, in North Carolina. But uh, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, so let me talk about the lowest pressure drop, or I guess the lowest pressure in any. S- hurricane cyclone typhoon and of course i'm sure you all know typhoon tip is still the reigning champion of the lowest barometric pressure in millibars at 870 millibars october 12 1979 now of course tip is not the strongest in terms of wind speed and we'll talk about who actually is the reigning champion there because again i think people think of you know pressure in a hurricane or a tropical system and they think, wow, look look how low that pressure is. You know, that correlates to wind speed. Well, not always. And we'll see that because, you know, you do need a lower pressure for sure. But sometimes, you know, you might have a system that's only 910 millibars and have wind speeds of like 180. Well, okay. But <laughs> comparison to 870, you know, that's that's an insane pressure nonetheless. But sometimes you might have systems that have, you know, not as low, like 920s, 915, and you still get wind speeds of like 150 plus. Um, so it doesn't have to be the lowest pressure in the world to have wind speeds of like over 300 miles an hour. Not that that's the thing. And the wind is actually the result of the change in the pressure too. It's not the other way around. So usually right. a, a, a hurricane will strengthen or drop in pressure. Then the winds will kind of react to that. Right. Hmm. Cool. All right. And uh, now we're going to look at the strongest hurricanes in terms of wind speed now. Yeah, I think that's what people want to know about, Mike. Right? Yeah, they don't care about 870 millibar. Who cares? It's pressure. (laughs) Pressure's lame. That's that's impressive to me as a meteorologist, however. Right. But, yeah, it's lame sauce. But I think we all all want to know about the wind speeds. So let's go. We got a lot of oceans here on planet Earth. So let's start with North Atlantic uh, Ocean and um, Hurricane Allen, 190 miles an hour. Wow. Uh, those, these now, now, just for reference, these are one minute sustained average. So right. they're not gusts. But I'm still sure official, gusts, though. Yeah, official wind It's still speed. official, but yeah. you, know, you think of like you know, gusting to, because gusts could be higher, but it's tough to measure gusts. Right. You mm-hmm. know? Especially yeah. in the middle of a hurricane. Yeah. E- even measuring anything above like 140 is tough on instruments. And sometimes in hurricanes, you know, you see that a lot of the uh, METAR stations at airports yeah. go down because, you know, it's tough to have a, uh, an actual instrument. <laughs> they're not rated for that. They're not rated for, or even if they are rated, sometimes you have a gust that's stronger, you have a debris that hits it. There's a lot of things that you really can't control when you when you when you when you measure wind. But either way, Hurricane Allen is reigning supreme at 190 miles per hour. Um, in second place, we have a tie between the Labor Day storm of 1935, Gilbert in 1988, the very famous Hurricane Wilma in 2005, and Doriel. Dorian. 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 Oh, a little uh, mistake there in the uh, in the document. But 2019, 
all had top wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. And going back to Wilma, that that was the year that Florida just got just got blasted. 2005 was a very very active year for hurricanes and tropical systems. I think it was. Now, don't I don't know uh, if this is 100% right, but I think it was the most active hurricane season in a long time. I don't know what. The, yeah, that was when we went deep into the Greek al- alphabet, I think. I think we just might have actually passed it this past two years. I think we got into the Greek alphabet. Oh, that's I don't know true, we, yeah. I don't know if we overpassed it, but I know that we got close. But I do remember that there were a, a, a ton of hurricanes that year. Yeah, tw- 2005, uh, 28 named storms. How many of those were major hurricanes? Mm. You're getting past my Google skills. <laughs> Hurry up quickly. <laughs> well, what was the year that we went really deep into the Greek alphabet? Well, that was 2005. No, no, no. There was one more recent. Um, let's see. 2012, we were 19 storms. I think it was 20, like 21 or something. Yeah, it might have been that. There was one that was retired. Remember, they retired a Greek alphabet, and then they said, oh, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> you can't retire a letter. Six or seven names into the Greek alphabet. All right. Well, look into this. I'm going to continue on my list here. So I want to, want to speed this up a little bit. Western North Pacific, we talked about ty- Typhoon Tip, had 160 mile per hour winds. Uh, in second place, we have a tie between Bess in 1982, uh, Meggie, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Meggie in 2010 and Haiyan in 2013, all had 145 miles per hour. Um, and we go into the North Indian Ocean, Odisha had 160 mile per hour sustained winds in 1999. Uh, a, a lot of other storms, let's see, uh, I think these are tropical cyclones, I believe in the Indian Ocean, either they're cyclones or they're, or they're typhoon. I think they're cyclones. Yeah. It gets really confusing once you go I think in Australia they're called Walla Wallas. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Willy Willies. Walla Wallas. Willy Willies. Willy oh, Willies. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, with that information, uh, North Indian Ocean, uh, I guess it's tropical uh, storm or three, 1963. I guess they weren't very creative back then. Uh, <laughs> Gan Gan Yu, 2007. That's a cool name. Kayar in 2019. Amphan in 2020 all had 150 sustained winds. Sounds like characters in Street Fighter. I was just going to say, yeah, no. <laughs> Later, gone you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Southwest Indian Ocean, uh, we had Fantala, 155 miles per hour in 2016. Gafilo in 2004. Helen in 2014, or Helen, uh, and Eunice in 2014. A very uh, popular of the year, 145 mile per hour uh, storms. Um, and then we go to the Willy Willies in Australia. Oh, that's it, Willy Willies. I don't know. I'm just saying that's what oh. I don't know. I'm just no, saying what correct. you're saying. That's correct. That's correct. Willy Willies. Okay. Yes. I knew it was something weird like that. I mean, officially, they might call him just a, a tropical cyclone. Um, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> We're getting silly. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, basically, Australia, Orson in 1989, Monica in 2006, and Marcus in 2018 all had 155 miles per hour. Now, we're rounding off the end of the oceans here, the South Pacific. Uh, Winston in 2016 had 175, so a pretty pretty hefty one there. Pam in 2015 had 155, and Zoe in 2003 had 150. And last but not least, the very odd South 
Atlantic Ocean hurricane. Oh, yeah, there was one. That was recently, wasn't it? 2004, Hurricane Katarina. And I think that was named after where it made landfall. Possibly. Um, Don't quote me on that. Or maybe do. Maybe I should do my research. Um, But it had 100 100 mile per hour sustained winds. And if we all know our meteorology, it's very, very tough for systems to survive south of the equator in the Atlantic Ocean. So uh, let's clarify the willy willy um, for one. Um, Yeah, it's a term in Australia, but it's a term for any whirlwind cyclone or tornado or dust devil. Um, so I guess it's like a slang sort of term for what yeah. to be fair. We have our weird names. I mean, we, we, we call nor'easters. Yeah, you know, that's we, true. We have a sou'westers, the rare sou'wester. So, and then clarifying the number of storms, most number of storms in a year, 2020, um, was the 30 storms, 30 name storms. We had 27 and 20, uh, 2005. Right. And one of them was retired. It was the Greek alphabet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there were 14 hurricanes that year um, in 2020 and seven major storms. Um, so quite a few. Yeah, we used nine names in the Greek alphabet. Uh, we started with Alpha and we ended with Iota as the last storm of the year. And Crazy. do we know what the what the procedure now is with, with, with naming? Or I think they just have a whole other set of names. Yes, they have an alternate alternate name list if they run out. Um, that they just start up with. Yeah, because I don't think we can retire Hurricane Alpha. It's like, okay, no. next year we're going to go to the B storm. Mm. What happened to the A storm? Well, the letter Al- the letter yeah. A is gone. Yeah, we're going to Latin now. Oh, God. Um, so, oh, no. But uh, curiously, the fewest number of storms in a, in a year for the Atlantic Basin is one. 1914, one storm, zero major, zero hurricanes. Now, 1914, uh, you know, we don't, we didn't have the satellite capability like we do in today's world. So um, who knows if there was some fish storm out there? All right. Yeah. Let's move on to, uh, you know, probably the most, uh, I guess, destructive I mean, of course, you know, we talk about hurricanes. Now, hurricanes are, of course, very destructive, but on a very widespread scale. And, you know, one thing I used to always tell kids when I'd go maybe do a talk about weather when I was on TV was, what's easier to forecast, a hurricane or a tornado? And, of course, most kids raise their hands like, oh, a hurricane, you know, a hurricane's easier to forecast or or harder to forecast. But, you know, when you think about it, a hurricane is probably – a lot easier to forecast than even a summertime thunderstorm or a tornado because a hurricane, you know, it's out there. You see it, it's on satellite. You have a good idea which way it's going. A thunderstorm in the middle of summer and especially a tornado that can maybe be produced by a thunderstorm. It's so fast. You don't know where it's going half the time and it's really tough to forecast where it's going to end up. Um, So that's why they basically go down as uh, kind of the hardest thing or the most destructive storms on the planet. Uh, and they're short-lived, too. So we're going to talk about that a little bit here. And, of course, uh, you know, going on through time from 1925, there were several other instances of, you know, destructive and uh, notable tornadoes. One was 1974, the Xenia, Ohio one. Um, and we're going to get on to a few other ones here in a minute. But one other one that was kind of recent, uh, you know, going to go back to December 2021, uh, there was the quad state tornado, and that was actually just two long track tornadoes. And they were both rated the EF4. Uh, the first one traveled from Arkansas into Tennessee. 
uh, about 80 miles long. And then the second one went from uh, Kentucky uh, and it traveled 150, 55 miles. Uh, and, and I kind of remember this one because it was a Saturday morning. I think the outbreak was a Friday night. And I remember the Kentucky governor coming on and just saying, you know, the state of emergency. And, you know, it was just it was just something weird to see in December. Uh, you know, normally, if you want to call it normally, you know, or tornado season is basically March through June, of course, but they can have it any time of the year. But for some reason, that one just sticks in my head because I remember watching the, the destruction and, and, and the, the news conference on a Saturday morning after all this had happened on a, you know, a Friday night in December. Um, yeah, it's amazing how long these tracks are. Yeah, compared that's to... what I'm saying. I mean, December seven tornadoes had a path longer than 20 miles. Yeah, it's, it's right. Like... I mean, that's outrageous. Yeah. When you, at least when you compare to uh, tornadoes that occur here in the Northeast, they usually are on the ground for sometimes it's only several hundred feet right. um, before it lifts, or you know, if you get a long one, it might be you know five to ten miles, right. you know, something to that effect. Um, maybe 20 at max yeah. if I think about the Springfield tornado, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing that hundreds of miles uh, yeah. these are on the ground for, which is good for lead time, but just sure. bad for um, destruction and stuff. Yeah. I, and then, you know, the one, the one outbreak that comes to mind, and I think if you're a meteorologist, you, you almost have to know about this, that, you know, and I'm sure a lot of folks even watching the news, you know, 13, 14 years ago, uh, the biggest outbreak, it was called the super outbreak of 2011, 360 tornadoes uh, between April 25th and April 28th. Now, the reason why they did that is because all from the same system. I think it started out in Texas and it moved its way across the U.S. until it finally went off the southeast coast. But 324 people, unfortunately, were killed in all these tornadoes uh, in that four-day period. It's, it's, It's like, that's unheard of. I don't even, I mean, I know how it happened, but it's just so remarkable uh, when you think about it. And and to get those conditions that many, that many days in a row, I mean, usually it's like a day or two and then it kind of loses its punch as it, if you will, as it goes East. But this one just kept going and uh, every afternoon and into the night, you know, the conditions just became ripe again for another round of tornadoes. And, I mean, 360 in a four-day period, that's just, you know. Yeah, and and a, a lot of times when you say super outbreak, I go back to like the 70s, 1974. Right. Um, however, that was 148 tornadoes. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, you're you're doubling it, basically, <laughs> in, the, in that outbreak in 2011. So, yeah. Um, just remarkable. Now, if you want to talk about the widest tornado, that's ever occurred, uh, 2.6 miles. And that was the El Reno, Oklahoma tornado on May 31st, 2013. And this one produced maximum winds of 302 miles per hour. So not only do you have a tornado producing over 300 miles per hour wind, uh, you got it. It's, it's 2.6 miles wide. So just think about. I, even, I can't. I, mean, I can't think of a tornado being uh, over two and a half miles wide. I That's. Know crazy to me i mean now granted uh, that was the max width it's not, it wasn't like that the whole time it was on the ground but either way that's just it's impressive and it's just uh you just don't even want to think about things like that but it's what we call i guess a wedge tornado basically that's a super wedge <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's a term but uh if there's ever one to uh coin right. a super wedge that that would be it yeah and then we'll uh we'll move on now 
I just mentioned the 302 mile per hour wind uh, that was measured with the El Reno tornado. The strongest winds ever measured, um, that was 318 miles per hour, and that was in Oklahoma City on May 3rd, 1999. So again, you know, we're splitting hairs when we're talking about 280, 290, 300 miles per hour. Either way, um, these are the types of, her, of tornadoes that could, you know, drive a, a two by four through a telephone pole. You, you see, you see the 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 things that can happen with you know, the velocities that uh, these tornadoes were, were producing. Yeah, and that's the thing a lot of people think about hurricanes and the winds that hurricanes produce uh, and the destruction there. But really, I know the tornado is much smaller, but with these extreme tornadoes, basically you are wiping the house clean off the foundation, tearing up the asphalt out of a roadway. Um, it's It's just so extreme it's it's hard to think about and then our last little uh tornado tidbit here uh and we, we talked about this with hurricanes how fast a pressure can drop now hurricane when a hurricane when it when it, the pressure falls it takes usually you know a while it'll take 12 to 24 hours to really deepen uh quickly and and things like that in the in the winter time we can compare this to a nor'easter where uh it comes a bomb cyclone when it drops 24 millibars in a 24-hour period uh, now imagine this: a hundred millibar drop in 12 seconds with a tornado that occurred in Manchester, South Dakota. That was uh, June 24, 2003. So, and that came from a tornado chaser. His name was Tim Samaras, and the pressure inside that tornado was measured to be 850 millibars, which is what was Typhoon Tip, uh, 870. So basically, this small tornado produced a pressure lower than. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically the lowest pressure <laughs> a, hurricane. A much more rapid uh, pressure drop. Very rapid too. you know, change in, in a very smaller scale, of course, but uh, just amazing what weather can do, that's all. For sure. But uh, I think we've uh, kind of exhausted all of our... Exhausted the the, the weather time. records. No, eh? we, got, we got one more thing to talk about. One more thing. One more thing to talk about. And I know you said, Mike, you want to do this in another podcast, but I did pull out. Oh, it's not the records again. It is the record. It's 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 Billy Joel. Oh my goodness! Front. All right, let me tell if you anybody, some, some good tracks. On no, this nobody really sees this because we have an audio podcast right now. But he is holding the album in his hand. Yes. Um, and it's got a hurricane uh, flag I mean, on it. We didn't start the fire. Come on, that is <laughs> that, that is great. You know. Well, the songs on that album. There's actually a song. There's actually a song Stormfront on that album, I believe. Yes, there is. That that, that that's what it's named after. Yeah. Is yep. Down Easter um, Alexa on that one? Down Easter Alexa is on here as well. Not yeah. Nor'easter Alexa, but Down <laughs> I Easter. I know. I remember Alexa. that one though. Yeah. That was in the hangover. <laughs> Good album. Um, actually, I'm not. A, I'm not like a, a super Billy Joel fan. I forgot. Was this one of his last albums? I am not sure was it, on. Was that. it this one or um? Oh man. Now I gotta look this up. This is gonna bother me if I don't do that. I'm on it. Oh, good. Mike's on it. Great. Uh, apparently a very rare one for you. A very piano Christmas in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, this is 1989. I think. The, uh, I think it was River of Dreams was his River last Dreams. real yeah, uh, album. Um, not a Christmas themed yeah, album. Put this back. But uh, anyway, yeah, we'll, well, you know what? That's a great idea. We talked about it. We joked about it. But you know what? We're going to have an episode in the future. So make sure you uh, 
you know, stay subscribed to the Weather the Lounge podcast because you might be able to hear us talk about our favorite weather songs. And there are a ton of weather songs. Out yeah, there. I can see that one pushing more towards the holiday season because I know there's a lot of songs that deal with snow. There's even a group called The Weather Report. I mean, this is really obscure and you're digging I think, deep. I think they, I think, <laughs> yeah, no, I think they are the uh the, the people who sing it's raining men yes actually, oh, really I think yeah i think that's the weather report yeah again this is very obscure but we can we can dive into this in another episode but we have a lot of content to go through let me tell you it's <laughs> a lot there we can have two episodes on that all probably. right well that's it for this episode of the weather lounge thanks mike uh for being with us yeah, in thanks this everyone episode for the research that was good stuff yeah, I got all... a ton of research that went to waste today. Yeah, but it will be reused. It will be reused, Mike. Hold your horses. We're we're good. We got it. Uh, we will use that in a future episode of the podcast talking about weather songs and weather theme songs. So we'll certainly do that later this year. But as for now, that is the weather lounge for this week. Remember, we have a new episode every two weeks. And visit weatherworks.com for everything we do here at our company. And you can find Weatherworks on all those social media channels and all your favorite apps. So please visit that. So that is it for the Weather Lounge. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.